Welcome to Hearts Unleashed, a personal and professional development podcast. We are raising the frequency of humanity through emotional intelligence. Life coach, best-selling author, and speaker Abigail Gazda interviews amazing humans from all industries, sharing inspiration and insight about thriving as your most authentic self. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. All right, lovers, welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And welcome back to the Money Mindset series. We are digging in on your relationship with money, the management of it, and the mastery of it. And I am here with Michelle Schween, and we are going to talk about the top 10 mistakes you are making with money. We're going to get all up in there today. So welcome back, Michelle. Hi, Abby. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) I am excited about today. I love this one. Yeah, yeah. This is this is your jam. So I'm a, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you just really teach us some stuff today. But um, I'll also be joining you along the way. So I think I think we should dive right in because I think there's so much. You know, we could cover so much, but it's all inside of these top ten mistakes. So um, we're gonna start right off the bat with the top ten. So or well, number ten. We'll start with fees. You love to talk about this one. Tell us, tell us about it because this is your pet peeve. This is my pet peeve. Um, you know, as a bookkeeper, I see everybody's expenses. And the one thing that kills me is those NSF fees. Um, you know, if you don't have the money in your bank account, don't be spending money. And don't pay your payments late. because Well, Michelle, wait, I got no. a good reason. <laughs> no, there is no good reason. No. Pay your payments on time. Even if it's just the minimum payment, you pay that payment on time, come hell or high water. Um, Because if not, you're paying the minimum payment, then you're tacking on a late fee on top of that. Then you're tacking on interest on top of that. It's just, it's a snowball going the wrong way. So I I just, (laughs) fees kill me. My number one pet peeve. Yes. (laughs) You're just giving away your money. Yeah. Essentially, you're giving yeah. the bank your money when you already don't have enough as it is. Mm, I feel like you're yelling at me. <laughs> Sorry. It's just it's my, okay. it's my number. It should be number one on this list as, as far it, as I'm concerned. It's my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> yes. And I think you're right. And we, I think we tried to get them in order of importance, but you're, you're, I get that your order of importance might be it. That one goes on top. So but you know what else I, I would love to add in? Cause you're saying about late payments and yes to that. Um, and we think it doesn't hurt because we don't exactly see it or feel it. Cause it just goes to the balance sometimes, right? If, especially if it's not our debit card, if it's just a late fee on, let's say a credit card, like, okay, toss $35 onto the $3,500 pile, like whatever, can't do it. And so, yeah, that can get really overwhelming, but also something that I remember you pointing out for me was like bank fees too. Banks have most, a lot of different, um, 
account options, obviously, but they all have their fee options too. And you have to either keep certain balances or set up direct deposit, which if you can do that, that's fine. But like for myself as an entrepreneur, like I do not have a direct deposit. I run my business, my money a different way. And so then it caused me to look at different banking relationships. So that's what's really, I think something important to say too, is there really are programs and banks out there who are for you winning or charge a much lower fee or for me and you when we're doing like every month that we're doing the accounting and I look at all the PayPal fees for transfers or uh, you know Venmo or um, Stripe like just these different things is you know if you're running money and you're an entrepreneur you're also paying fees for being a merchant and so there's lots of fees uh, lots of ways but if you have a bookkeeper who can help you watch out and you find out you're spending what was probably my numbers is like anywhere from three to 500 in fees, it'll kick your ass and, and that's your money. <laughs> well, and think about what you could do with that three or $500 every month. You know, if you're spending that on fees, that's money you're not using to pay down your debt. Think of how much faster you could be paying down your debt if you were taking that three to $500 and putting it towards your credit card or your car or whatever other debt you have. Yeah. It just That's, I think, why it's such a big thorn in my side. I just see it as you're just giving away your money. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do, and I'm sure we'll get around to it in the debt conversation, but that, you know, interest, right. Or, you know, 30, even if it's a late fee, $35 could go towards the balance as opposed to add to the balance. So paying on time is a beautiful thing. So that is number 10 fees. Number nine, denial. A top 10 mistake you're making is denying that you're making mistakes. (laughs) In this, we're going to kind of discuss, well, let's talk about spending more than you make. What do you see there? I see a lot there. Um, I think, you know, in this day and age, it's really easy to go to Target and go to the dollar bins. It's only a dollar. It's only a dollar. So we yep. we spend and we spend and it's on our credit card. We're not taking cash out of our wallet. So it doesn't feel like you're spending that much. Um, denial is just a really yucky thing because it's keeping you in the dark about where you're really at. Um, so I think we got to get rid of denial and really look at where we are at financially and mm-hmm. make a plan because... Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere without any kind of plan. So um, denial's just, uh, again, one of the worst. Yeah. Well, and um, denial, also known as delusion. So I want to talk about delusion. And with delusion is like fronting. I want to make the distinction between fronting and acting as if, right? Because it is, I love me some law of attraction and we've got the law of attraction series. I even have an episode about act as if, which is to live as if you, like if I, would I get this if I had the thousand dollars or how would my millionaire mind think, you know? So it's, those are important, but when it comes to denial and delusion, if you can't be realistic about where you are in a responsible way, then it might be more considered just fronting, trying to show off or, again, completely deny your actual financial situation. And just this tipping point where once you've done that too much or too long, you can't get out of it. And so you're then you really have to raise your hand for some help, which we'll get into in some of the other mistakes. But um, how, what do you have to say about fronting versus acting as if? Because I know you like the law of attraction. 
Yeah, I do. I do. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's really easy to fall into that trap of just, you know, deny, 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 and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out eventually, but you know, it's just not reality. And if you're, if you're not being responsible, eventually it's going to catch up to you. And it's, you know, sometimes when you have to actually sit down and face that reality, it can be a lot, it can be overwhelming. And so it's easy just to tuck your head down in the sand and keep going and doing what you're doing. But mm-hmm. um, it's just no way to live. It causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of issues down the road. It sure does. And then, um, you know, we we will talk about like, what about like blindly creating debt? You know, we'll, we'll talk about money leaks when we get to budget. But what about blindly creating debt? Just like, or, or I, I almost want to say this, toxic optimism. <laughs> what do you see? Like, it'll be okay. I'll get it later, whatever. Yeah. It can get you into so much trouble. Um, you know, you can swipe until you're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, eventually you're going to have to pay that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, uh, I can't say enough about it. Um, you know, we have to be real with where we're at how much we really make and how much we really spend and get those two numbers in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really the only way, and I mean, we all know this, it's you have to spend yeah. less than you make. I mean, no, I want to tell that's you that. Way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you, you just can't. I mean, you can, you can go into all kinds of credit card debt and, you know, spend more than you make all day long, but like I said, at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay that bill eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, not I think you are so right about that. And and it actually takes us right into number eight, which is know your numbers. Because I think right from denial, um, we can slip also into apathy, where it's like, you know what? No, just I don't care. I don't care. I'll uh, I'll figure it out later. I'll just let me just turn the other way or like we were saying swipe with no regard you know I, it's so tricky because when especially as a 20 something year old kid and you get qualified for a $10,000 credit card you think you have $10,000 you don't have $10,000 and so we just don't know those numbers we don't know oh, I remember having multiple credit cards and being so damn scared that I wouldn't look at the balances or I would just pay the minimum and hope for the best and that would that did not that was not successful so the mistake number 8 is not knowing your numbers. And this is a big one for you. Um, you taught me a lot about this. What would you love to share about it? Um, you know, it's, it's the premise of everything that I do. You have to know where you're at. And, and again, you have to make a plan and you can't make a plan until you know where you're at. Like if you know you have $20,000 in credit card debt, then, then you know where you're starting and you know what you have to do to get out of it. But if you have no idea and you're just blindly spending, Oh, someday that's just going to come and bite you. Um, you know, so I, I think it's the foundation for everything. You've got to know where you're at. You've got to know how much you make, really, realistically, mm-hmm. how much you make and how much you spend. And again, you've got to get those numbers in alignment. Or you're yeah. it, the thing of it is, is blindly swiping away. You're basically blindly swiping away at your future self right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the more debt you're in now, the less you're saving for your future self. Yep. Yep. 
And you're just, it's kind of like a big F you to your future self. Cause like, kind then of. they're stuck paying that. And like, you don't know their financial situation. And that was a big thing for me was it was that it was kind of in that denial mistake too, is that that toxic optimism is hoping my business was going to take off sooner than it may have been scheduled to like. And I think that if I didn't have like such a financial weight that I wouldn't even need my business to grow as fast as I thought I needed it to grow. Like, cause I didn't allow for some natural initiation phases of business or like, I just, I was very harsh with myself when I started, like, how come I'm not making more yet? Or, and it, it didn't really have anything to do with my desire to make more. I needed to pay that debt off. Right. And so it's all that false optimism. And then, um, and this was a real pivot point for me, not knowing my numbers, because when I sat down and looked with you, I, and cause I was just paying the minimums on all my either cards or credit lines or even school debt, my vehicle. And I didn't ever add those up. And when I saw I was paying $2,200 a month backwards spending debt, I was like, oh, hell no. I could own a home for that, right? Like exactly. that, that pissed me off enough to completely pivot that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I, I think, yeah, we pay all of our bills, but we don't ever sit down and go, okay, wait a minute. I'm spending this much on mm-hmm. my debt. Mm-hmm. And you got to look at it from a different perspective too. I think you've got to look at what else could I be doing with that $2,200? Where would I be if I had $2,200 extra every month? The sky's the limit. You could be doing all kinds of things. Like you said, you could buy a house or you could be, you know, taking a trip every six months or something. You know, you got to look at your money in a different way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually, even when it comes to know your numbers and the debt balances is also an effective repayment plan, right? Because I, that what I was doing, paying the minimum, I was paying in five different directions. So I was not making dents really anywhere. And that was also, it was super disempowering, very like disheartening. I just, I lived in a defeated mindset and that was not healthy either because like I am an optimistic person. I prefer the sunny side of life, but when it came to money, it just, it was dark and scary and dreary down there. And then as far as the repayment plan goes, every swipe of the card meant another month in debt right? Or another six months in debt. And so that was super demoralizing as well. Demoralizing. But at the same time, I think you were good. And maybe I helped you with this. I don't know. But um, that change in in your mindset too, of knowing that every swipe of that card is maybe six months more of being in debt, that helped you to change your spending habits. Because then you're at the cash register going, wait a minute, do I really need all this stuff from the dollar bin? You know, uh, no, maybe I don't. Let's put some of this back and let's really get down to the basic needs Mm -hmm. and maybe a few wants because that's the other thing. You still have to live um, and you've got to have some fun. But I think, again, knowing your numbers helps to change your behavior. Yeah, yeah. You really helped me out with something super important, which was, my relationship with myself about money. 
I was really mean to myself. And you're like, you're not so bad. Like, would you chill for a minute? Because I was like, oh, but this is pitiful. Because <laughs> right? it's so heavy. We know, guys, we know debt and weight, the um, anxiety of that can be so heavy. But like I was, I was paying all of my stuff as on time as possible. It was when I got a bookkeeper was when I was really starting to like, I can't figure this out or I'm gonna start falling behind if I go much farther. And so, you know, she was able to really by looking at that, like I was not excited about that $2,200 backwards thing, but she was like, I know people in a lot worse situations, one, and a lot more irresponsible too. And the debt that you have incurred has been business debt. Like it's predictable enough, but like I, I, I didn't have any forgiveness for that for myself. I didn't have any grace there. Go ahead, because I think this is so important. Well, I think that's just it. You know, we are really hard on ourselves. Number one, we put our head in the sand and we don't want to look at it. But then when we do look at it, we're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? (laughs) You know, and I'm such a terrible person because I've gotten myself into debt. Okay, so then you've got to get to the next phase, which is where you forgive yourself. Mm. Because if you can't forgive yourself, then you're just going to fall back into your old patterns. But you've got to kind of look at it and go, okay, this is where I'm at. Reality check. And now we make a plan. I forgive myself and I try to change my behavior. Because you know what? Dave Ramsey says it all day long. It's 80% behavior. It's only about 20% yeah. knowledge. Like you can read all the books in the world, but it's all about yeah. your behavior, your spending behaviors, yeah. your spending habits. Mm-hmm. And you know, step one is forgiving yourself and then starting to create new habits. Which, speaking of, takes us right into mistake number seven, not having a budget. (laughs) So great job, Michelle. Thank you. (laughs) So not having a budget. uh, This is a game changer, y'all. The idea of a budget made my skin crawl. I'm like, "Mm, right, like... I didn't even want to look at my debt numbers, let alone where the, because I was, I was feeling down about income being inconsistent or spending being too much and all of that. And so, um, the idea of a budget was so scary to me. And, um, Michelle, I would love for you to kind of intro this idea because the, yeah, like I, I, that's how, you know, I'm going back to where I was three and four years ago. Yeah. Budgets are scary for everybody. Nobody likes that word. In fact, I think maybe they should change it, change Mm -hmm. the name to something else. But um, yeah, budgets are actually freedom. People think it's the opposite. People think that a budget is going to restrict you. And then I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to spend money on this and that. No, you actually give every dollar a job and you direct where all of your money is going. And creating a budget also makes you look at how you're spending your money. A lot of times we don't realize, like you said, $2,200 in debt payments every month, or maybe it's $1,200 a month on groceries, whatever it is. Making a budget makes you look at maybe the last three months of your spending and go, huh, okay, here's where I'm spending my money. Here's where I can make little tweaks. And it gives you the freedom. You actually set up like categories of spending so that you go, okay, I can go out to dinner once a month or twice a month or whatever. It gives you parameters. It gives you boundaries. And as much as we think that we hate boundaries, they're actually good for us. They keep us on track and they keep us feeling actually really secure instead of insecure all the time. It takes away a lot of that anxiety that we have around money. So well said. So, so well said. This is where uh, money 
actually became fun for me. I gamified it, right? Like once we had that, I said, well, I don't want $2,200 in debt. How can I, so our, you know, I thought, how can I pay this one off the fastest and bring it down? And I'm, I mean, I'm still playing that game. I'm down to like, I think 600 bucks a month, which like, let's get that shit out of there. Right. And so, so that's a lot of fun. And that, um, being able to, to see you guys, this is something I just want to teach you about the human psyche for a second. We love a deadline. We love a goal. We love a destination. We want to win a game. So set yourself up to win a game, right? And so when I knock out a whole, you know, credit card or credit line, now I can spend some more of that on another credit line and knock it out faster. Or um, if I know that I want to save to maybe take a trip or I want to save to, or I want to pay my uh, employees more, then I know like I can start to move my money. And, and so um, it just really did become a game for me. And, and then I was at choice about when I started to make different money, um, different money choices or reallocating or distributing differently. And so I, it was the first time in my life, which I thought a budget, like she said, was shackles. Uh, Just here you go. Here's your rules. And it's like, you're the one writing the rules really. And, you know, if you get real wild about credit, the, the, your budget, um, (laughs) your debt is going to make the rules for a little while, but that really helped me too. I remember, you know, getting a coffee maker instead of going, (laughs) do you want to tell this story? (laughs) I love this. I, this was like a, a crowning glory moment. So <laughs> Abigail one day called me and she was so proud of herself. She was like, I bought myself a cute little coffee maker and I'm going to give up Starbucks for a while and I'm just going to make coffee myself. And <laughs> the amount of money that you probably saved, you, what'd you spend on that coffee maker? 20 bucks? No, not even because it was oh, Walmart. Money. So it was like $9. <laughs> yeah, but making those simple tweaks and you start to... I, I can see you starting to make a game of it. Like, what can I do next? What What's the next yeah. thing that I can do? And you start to become proud of yourself and start to make it a game and start to make it fun. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think that what's really important to talk about is money leaks, the lack of awareness where our money is going, because we've been talking a lot about the debt, but you know, you got to pay attention to how much you're eating out. I, so my sister and I, we like being college kids, I said, I've been pretty generally financially independent most of my life. And so I did, I've been mostly frugal. I wouldn't say, you know, most of my debt has come from building my business, which I'll always, I would do it a hundred times over again, but there were times where I wouldn't go clothes shopping for months or I would, you know, I would deny myself certain things. And we're actually going to get around to, um, that kind of relationship with money, but we, we have to look at money leaks. Like for me, one of my favorite acts of being frugal was like grocery shopping because you can make multiple meals out of a hundred bucks as opposed to get three meals or four meals eating out with the same amount of money. And so we got to know, and a budget is so helpful for that. Cause like Michelle was saying is you look back at your last three to six months of spending, meaning you log into your bank account and you see where every swipe has been and it goes into a category and you're like, wait a minute. I spent, when you see that you spend $300 eating out, you're like 150 of that can go toward the debt payment. All right. So now we pick when do we eat out? That's a treat, not a regular thing. Go ahead, Michelle. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. You're hitting the nail on the head. A budget gives you that freedom. I know it sounds like shackles, but it's really the opposite. And until you do it, you might 
just not ever think of it that way. But once you do it and you do it consistently, it does, it gives you that freedom. Totally yeah. does. And I love it. And um, it's so funny because I couldn't, I wouldn't go 10 within 10 feet of a budget before. And now I want to recommend it to everybody in the whole world. Yeah. It's a lot of fun and it can be really empowering. So the last thing I want to say about budget is just sticking to an empowered plan. And actually I have to, I owe it to Michelle for this one because sticking to the budget is also very important. So as my money, like as I got empowered around my money, more money started coming in. So I would make these three and $5,000 income checks and, and I'd be like, can I throw all of it at debt? And she's like, Eh, eh, eh. nope. Like, let's just make those payments as planned, stick to the budget. And I was able to create a savings and have an emergency fund, which we'll get around to, but um, sticking to the plan and also not throwing money at things is also part of having a budget. So I, I really need to say that one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yes. And so in fact, we'll start to shift into tip number six or mistake number six, which is reinforcing our negative relationship with money, which I think that throwing money at things is is definitely a part of that because um, I've always, I had this negative relationship with money that it leaves faster than it comes in. And so I was like, spend it while you got it. Meaning I didn't literally trust myself with having, holding money or having it in my bank account. I thought if it's sitting there, either I'm going to spend it I'm going to throw it at debt or something, or the universe is going to spend it for me and give me a flat tire or break a something somewhere. And so um, I was always afraid to actually possess money. So that's a really interesting, you know, again, reinforcing the negative relationship with money. I was going to say, I think also to this point is money extremes where you're a complete miser and you never allow yourself any fun yeah. at all, or you're, um, you're just, you know, like you said, kind of throwing your money everywhere because you can't handle having money sitting there. So I think there's extremes there too. Like, I think we do have to allow ourselves, even when we're on a budget, to have a little fun. You know, maybe you set aside 20 week, $20 a week or something to go and get your nails done or whatever it is that brings you joy. Yeah. So if there's no joy in money, then a budget's not going to last very long. So yeah. I think you have to also avoid those extremes. Yeah. I think I love the point that you're making because I mean, when it started, I got really ramped up around like, let's pay this debt down and super excited that I, I was like for a while, I was actually really um, motivated not to spend any extra money on myself. But I, but then to the point of being like frugal or even deprecation, right? complete denial was, um, so, you know, I had this habit, which is not terrible, but it's definitely not an abundance mindset is I would eat everything in my kitchen before ever going back to the grocery store. And like that, I mean, it was a great, it is a great strategy when I, when it needed to be, but that's not necessarily an empowered way of living, right? Like that to trust that you are cared for, provided for that there is enough and you are enough, right? So it's the, the whole deprecation part. I, I definitely can get good at that when I, especially if I want to win a game, I know, you know, as an athlete game winning means sacrifice. And so I'll do that thing. And, but it also does re reinforce disempowering beliefs of there's not enough or what other, so Michelle, like what sort of disempowering beliefs do you witness, um, that people have that keep them reinforcing their negative relationship with money? 
Well, the other, there's also the other side of what you're saying. There's also people who hoard money. Like once yeah. they've got those debts paid off or, or whatever, they, they don't ever give anything away ever. They just want it all for themselves. So I would suggest, you know, also being open to giving to charities and things that you can, like within your means, you should also be giving money in ways that feel good to you and that are, uh, that are aligned with your beliefs. But um, yeah, I, I think definitely we can, we can get ourselves into those negative money mindsets and they don't do us any good. They really don't. It has an impact on so much of our life and can make you not stick to that budget or not stick to your goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because it was crossing my mind as as I had asked you, which there it's not directly money beliefs, but like um, not enough, undeserving, unlovable, unworthy. Um, another one is like, I'm a burden for those of us who, you know, I, I've definitely carried that belief with me in different phases of my life. And like, so going out to eat and not letting someone pay sometimes, right? Like I get so embarrassed sometimes that I would, uh, that's part of my debt. It's like, I would not want someone to pay for me. And think I'm some freeloader. So I would pay even if I didn't have the money to do that or charge it. And so it's really like allow, there's an allowance part of this, which is again, today we're talking about the money mistakes, but we will get around to healing those disempowering beliefs, healing your yourself and your relationship with money. But, and then there's like the far end of that spectrum, which is like the hatred of money. Some of us have been hurt directly by money or people we view maybe as like rich or greedy or something or that money denied us love. And so there's an actual hatred of money. What do you see inside of that context? Yeah, that's really common too. Um, I mean, let's face it, money, we all need money. And, you know, yeah, there's people who get greedy with it and do terrible things with it, but you don't have to be that way you know, you can give and help people who need it. And you don't have to be that way. Money doesn't have to be that way for everybody. You know, we just have to have a healthier mindset about money. And that can be hard. That can be hard to achieve, especially if you've been hurt in some way by money or somebody with money. Which speaking of being um, hurt or harmed by people with money is uh, the mistake number five, the comparison game. I think that this is um, really where a lot of our hatred of money or hatred of people with money can come in and hijack us. Because, And I say hijack because from an authentic place, we're not jealous. We're not envious. Like, you know, from an abundant place, it is okay that others have money and then it's okay for us to have money. But the comparison game can take anyone out, even the kindest people out. What do you see in the, now I actually want to talk about living in Southern California. Um, I see it's, it's obviously we live in 2021 or 21st century. It's pretty much everywhere, but definitely Southern California is a great place to uh, exemplify that. What do you see about the comparison game? <laughs> oh, the comparison game is so bad because you're never going to have the life that somebody else has. You just aren't. Um, everybody's life is different. Everybody's circumstances are different. And you really can't compare yourself to anybody else. And most of the time, what they're putting out there for you to compare to isn't real to begin with. You know, yeah. social media and and all of that usually is fake. They're only showing you the good things or what they want you to see or what the, how they want to appear. 
Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's not reality. You have no idea if they're in mountains of debt. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, the comparison game, ah, it's a killer. It's just yeah. a killer and it can get you into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, literally you're, all you've got is you and your circumstances and it doesn't really matter what anybody else is doing. Yeah. It really doesn't. It doesn't. And I appreciate you saying it that way because there are like a million factors at play when it comes to the comparison game, right? Like what you think you see versus Mm -hmm. what's actually so is there are a million factors. And yeah, someone might have generational wealth that's passed down, but you don't know that. You don't know that. And they might be, like you said, mountains in debt. I remember specifically my sister moved to California for an internship. So she got this lesson first, and then she passed it on to me when I first moved out. Because I remember moving out to California from Indiana, little little small town, right? Where you know, we did fine for ourselves, but nothing was too extravagant. And, and to move out to California, first off, just like the land itself, the palm trees, the ocean, the, the views, right? It feels rich. And then there's Teslas and Rolls Royce and all these old style cars and mansions, like the mansions. Okay. So like there's all this beautiful stuff and all these beautiful people. We go out to eat and I'm like, my sister's there. We drove across the country and I was kind of panicking. I'm like, I, I don't know if I can make it. The idea of rent was overwhelming. The idea of like how much gas was or meals were, like just the most basic things. And she's like, and, and then obviously the comparison game, right? So that's where my fear was coming from was what, what I was visually witnessing. And she's like, Abby, everyone's car is leased. Everyone's house is rented. Like in Indiana, we own houses. We don't, we don't rent, right? But out here, there's so much rent or leasing. And she's like, it's just, it's fluffy or it's, it's a facade, like just get over it. And so it was a beautiful, I needed that. I definitely needed that because then it, even if whether, no matter what the truth about someone's financial situation was, I was just like, it's not for me to figure out. Am I good? Good. Am I not? I got to work on that, you know? Yeah, that's really what it all comes down to is, you know, it's, it's only about you and your circumstances. You can't base your life on anybody else's. You just can't. And obviously I was talking about like tangible in California, but so let's go to social media. Like you were saying is um, people rent cars just for a photo shoot. People fly places just to look like they're that, you know what I mean? And cool if you can, but who knows? Cause you guys, there are $17 plane tickets. So just because someone's on a vacation doesn't make them rich. Like I've been a nomad for going on four or five years now. I have done that very frugally. And so I don't even know if I just made a word up or not, but I have done that. (laughs) But I have been able to do that on a healthy budget. And so, you know, it's it just because someone's life looks great um, doesn't mean that it is. And just because someone's life doesn't look great, right, doesn't mean that it isn't. And so it's so skewed. And so, you know, the only thing you can do is stay in your lane and quit comparing. Well said. Thank you. And just um, the last little note about that is don't be showing off and trying to keep up because I think that half the things we think we want, which this actually kind of goes into tip number four, which is around entitlement, is half the things we think we want, we probably don't even want 
we just want because it's hot or we want because everyone else does. And that is a killer. That's a killer on so many levels. What do you see in there, Michelle? Well, I think a lot of times we think I deserve it. I work so hard. I bust my butt every day and I deserve that new car. Look, the ads on TV are telling me I deserve that new car. I deserve it. Can you afford it? Does anybody ever stop to ask themselves, can I really afford it? Can I really afford it? I think so many times we're tricked into believing we deserve. We deserve it. Yeah. You know? And it's been made so easy. Zero down, right? Like, oh, if you, yeah. If you watch any amount of TV, by the end of a TV show, you need a new car, a new outfit, a new meal, a new haircut. And it's like, well, damn. And it's really just based on what you're witnessing, not on what might actually be in your heart. And the whole, I deserve it. I work hard is like, maybe, maybe. But do you deserve the debt that goes along with it? Yeah. Or does your future self who's trying to retire deserve the debt that goes along with it? Yeah. I don't think so. Not, right. not always. Because you could play I deserve it within your means, right? Like I, I, I vividly remember you saying, Abigail, you're allowed, to, you can go get a massage. Let's work that into your budget, right? Like the, a massage made me feel, you know, Rich. it was something that empowered me and it kept me, it was my reward for sticking to my budget. And a $70 massage is way better than a $700 car payment, you know? And so it's, it's definitely, there's a finesse to that, but that lives inside of mastery, not inside of the mistakes we're talking about today. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I just want to mention about falling prey to marketing, right? Like if you are kind of just do, 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 watching TV too long, or, you know, it's what's hot, you know, check in on what's hot and the idea of whatever the trend is coming out. Because I think we buy with the trend when really is it, nothing draws a crowd like a crowd. And if you know that about the human psyche, you can really step away from the crowd and say, is this something that I want? And like Michelle was saying is, is this actually worth the debt? Is it and or is it not? Or is it something I actually want? And you can really start to, you could stop making some of those mistakes. Right. Even in the instance of the new car, you know, could you get by with a used car, with a new to you used car? Yeah, you probably could. And you probably, your future self would probably thank you for that, making that decision. Totally. Totally. Let's talk about retail therapy and unhealthy Mm. coping in this concept. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, especially right now in this climate that we're in, you know, it's, we're not leaving our house a whole lot. So it's really easy to get online and order this and that and makes us feel better somehow or temporarily. But again, that your future self might not be so happy with the debt that you're getting yourself into. Um, it's just really easy to fall prey to all of that. Retail mm-hmm. therapies, it feels good in the moment, but yeah. oftentimes it comes with regret later and that beating yourself up for what did I just do? Mm. Yep. And I think that it's important to catch on because um, with retail therapy and unhealthy coping, you guys, that's like a drug, right? It's just like the hit of a purchase or receiving something new. It lasts for a a couple of minutes, a couple hours, but not much longer than a couple of days. And then there's that natural, I don't even want to say buyer's remorse because it's not like it's something that you're going to return. But you're just you're just taking a hit of feeling relieved or satisfied for the moment when really it's you know what would be more satisfying would be out of debt, be be empowered. My greatest goal in life, or to me, one of the greatest goals in my life is to live a cash only lifestyle. And 
I understand that there's, you know, to buy a house that might incur debt, but if not, if you're Dave Ramsey, he believes in literally cash only lifestyle. And it like, it fascinates me. And I actually believe that it is true and possible and possible for me and possible for me very soon. And so it's like, it's, it's whatever you want to buy into and believe that can empower the direction that you take your life. So, um, which actually this does shift us into tip number three, the mistake you're making is no accountability, no accountability. So if you don't have uh, you are not plugged into professionals and programs and plans and, and setting yourself up and you, and no one's watching your money or you're not holding yourself to any level of accountability. Mm, it's a slippery slope, isn't it, Michelle? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, I don't even know where to start on that one. Um, you know, if you're not accountable and you're not responsible or you're not holding yourself responsible, it's really easy to get into a mess. Um, you know, you have to have a plan and you have to stick to a plan. And again, it all goes back to knowing your numbers and putting your income to work for you. Um, you know, Mm -hmm really all you've got is your income and where you tell it to go or what you do with it is really dictating your future. You know, there's something really um, subtle that I'd like to say here, because part of our notes here is, is talking to your significant other about finances or being in partnership, right? Well, for myself being a single lady, no, I wasn't accountable to anybody. So nobody challenged me on some of my swipes. Nobody challenged me on some of my business decisions. And that when I was operating alone is when I was in the most trouble. And I knew that I needed partnership. So, and that's where I ended up finding Michelle. I actually, um, our both of our mutual friend, Susie, as it was my first like, profitability partner or accountability partner when we would meet and we would talk and it was, it was a lot about business, but we would talk about money because she really loves the Dave Ramsey um, method. And so she was able to connect me with Michelle. And that's when I sent her all my passwords. I sent her all my bank accounts and I'm like, ah, you know, like I was willing, I, I felt like I was standing naked in the middle of Times Square, right? Like it's that, that kind of feeling, but without that level of accountability, you and you can just run wild or you're hit doing hidden spending or hiding out it's not in service of you it's it's that's why it's number 3 it's one of the top money mistakes we make is hiding out about what we're doing what do you have to say about that michelle you know um it just made me think of an instance where my husband and i we bought a house that needed full renovation and um we still had a mortgage that we were paying on the other house because we couldn't live in the new house yet. And so we were just spending money like crazy. Um, And at one point I remember being like petrified because I was pretty much the one in charge of paying the bills and, you know, all the handling, all the money issues. And I remember one night just being on my hands and knees on the bedroom floor, just thinking, Oh my God, how am I going to even talk to him about this? How am I going to tell him how much our credit card bill is? Because we'd been putting everything on the credit card for the renovations. Mm. And I remember just like shaking and being in a complete panic. Mm. You know, if I had just had those conversations with him all along, if I, if I had just been open and honest about where we were, things would have been so much easier. I caused myself all this anxiety and all this stress because I was hiding out. I just wasn't being forthcoming about where we were at. So, 
you know, having some accountability and talking to somebody else about where you're at with your money can help alleviate a lot of that stress. Do you have a suggestion? Because I, I kind of want to say like, just do it. But a, like, how do we have that money conversation with our spouse? Like, yeah. Rip the Band-Aid off. You got to <laughs> just do it. You know what, too? Sit down with a glass of wine. You know, maybe, maybe you make it a, a, you know, a weekly thing or a monthly thing where you, you know, have a drink and almost make it a date night where you sit down and you talk about your money. Uh, actually, at the end of every month, my husband and I, we get together and we say, okay, well, here's where our numbers are at. And we look at it together. And I think since we've been doing that, our money relationship or whatever you want to call it has gotten so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're on the I, same page. Yeah. And and I want to give that tip. Like it does get easier if you stick with it, right? Like even Timothy and I, as we were starting our relationship, like it's been very open. And for myself, because I have a, I attach a very emotional relationship to money is I get triggered talking to him about it, but every conversation has always gotten easier and it, it doesn't have to do with him. That's what's, I think it's really important when we start to talk about money, we go back to consider our own relationship with money. Cause some of the things I remember talking to him about it with is like, this is bringing something up from like my childhood or my previous marriage or, you know, and so I'm feeling a little insecure, but he, and he can do everything he can to make me feel comfortable. But sometimes we have to be willing to be uncomfortable in these accountability conversations, because if you're willing to be uncomfortable inside of an accountability conversation, you're going to cover ground. You're going to make progress and you're going to be heard and seen and understood. And if you, what would you say to someone, maybe they're having a hard time getting on the same page with their significant other or what can they do if they're maybe they have different values with money or anything like that um you know you can always talk to somebody else first you know go and talk to a friend about it and um you know i think the main thing is you've just got to do the uncomfortable stuff you've got to talk about it cuz yeah. actually money is the number one I, I believe it's number one reason for divorce Probably. I mean, it's a, it's a serious issue, you know, and, and if you're not on the same page, oh my gosh, it can just add so many layers to, to the stress, you know? So Completely. I think ultimately you've, you've just, you've got to rip off the bandaid and you've got to have that talk. And, and yeah, maybe you talk to somebody else first. Maybe you talk to a close friend about it, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you call me, I, I mean, you know, that's it, Sometimes it takes getting somebody from the outside, some a third person who's, you know, objective about it and not in your business about it. You know, they're not in your life. Somebody who's on the outside looking in can give you a different perspective sometimes. Yes. Like with you, when you were saying that you, you know, were beating yourself up so much and I was the one to go, well, actually, you're not in that bad of a spot and you can get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. that changed your perspective on things. Yeah. Well, and I think it's brilliant, but before, just in case they didn't hear the first episode of the series, how can they contact you? Oh, they can go to my website, michelleschween.com. Um, there's a, you know, contact me page where you can just send me a little note, tell me where you're at and we can get together. We, I do free consultations. We do one-on-one coaching. Sometimes it takes an outside person to help you get to the place that you want to be with your money. Yeah. 
Perfect. 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 And we'll be sure to drop her website in the show notes because uh, she is a money coach and we're running a money course. And we'll talk about that at the end, but I think that it's just so perfect for right where you are or right where you're speaking into is being able to include a third party. Because if you can't get on the same page, it's, you know, couples go to couples counseling, right? If nearing the end of a marriage, because you can't get on the same page, like why not go as far as you can in healing that or creating some sort of middle ground. And I think that has a lot to do with um, our next tip. Number two on this list, which is financial illiteracy. (laughs) And so if you can talk to somebody who is financially literate, well, then maybe they're going to give you a new perspective because yes, I was financially independent, but that didn't make me financially literate. And so when I spoke with Michelle, she gave me a brand new perspective and I was able to communicate. I didn't, there were so many things, so many terms I couldn't even reference or um, yeah, all of those things. And so, and that came from the way I was raised is just, it wasn't a priority. And so there's financial illiteracy is the number two mistake that we have decided is like number two importance simply because, well, go ahead, Michelle, tell us a little bit about why this is so important. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Um, You know, we're not taught these things in high school. Um, And I think clearly we should be because it's obviously an issue with everyone in the nation. But, um, you know, we're just not taught how to manage our money responsibly and, Um, you know, sometimes it takes getting outside help or taking a course or reading a book, but it doesn't have to be hard. Um, the financial industry too kind of makes it hard. You know, there are all these terms and terminology that make it difficult, make it overwhelming and make it seem out of reach somehow, but it doesn't have to be, it it really doesn't have to be. Um, there's tons of resources out there and, and, you know, ways to make it more simple. Yeah. I like what you said, because you you did mention this in the last episode too, is like, it's not just for the educated and already rich, right? Or uh, wealthy families. And so uh, generational poverty is is a thing, right? Like there's generational wealth, which we've heard of, but generational poverty inside of illiteracy. Um, I think that it's ours. Like if you're listening to this series and it's something that truly interests you, especially this episode, if you're like 10 mistakes, yeah, that's me, right? And so you're probably feeling a little financially illiterate. Well, it's actually not that scary. And get and the, the one of the tips in this inside of number two uh, is refusing to get help, right? Like, or, or one of the mistakes that you're making is refusing to get help. This might require you giving up your embarrassment in order to get help. I I never learned this. Go ahead. Yeah. Share with us. Oh my gosh. So that is usually the first thing that people say to me when I start working with people is I'm so embarrassed. I'm so, I don't even want you to look at, especially as a bookkeeper. Oh my gosh. I don't even want you to look at my books. They're such a mess. You know what? We've all got messy finance issues and, you know, most professionals like myself, we've seen it all. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, the point is, is to just get the help that you need. Um, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. We've all had credit card debt. We've all made financial mistakes Mm -hmm. here and there. Um, I've made my share. Um, you just, you got to get over that embarrassment and get the help that you need. Yeah. I like the way that you're saying this inside of finances, but let's pivot it to like being a doctor, right? Like if you have something going on somewhere, you're going to have to drop your pants about it and it's okay, right? Like seen it all help. Let me help you, 
right? Yeah. It's okay. It's the human body. And, and like a function of the being human is your finances. So it's the same as looking into your bank account and it might feel scary or whatever that is. But if you are willing to be taught, you can learn. And when you can learn, you can learn from your mistakes and you can shift that. And, um, and as we move into this last, uh, tip or this last mistake, we're going to, but you can, you can learn. And as we go into these next episodes, you can shift this into where you are actually very literate when it comes to money and, and that money mastery, you can reach that from, from, from any starting point from any starting point. And so from any starting point, let's talk about the number one mistake you are making with money, not saving any. Michelle, tell us all about it. Not saving any money. Oh my gosh. Um, So from my understanding, about 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck and can't afford a $400 emergency. That means they don't have money and savings to cover a $400 emergency. And that to me is just tragic. You know, we're all swimming in debt and, you know, not saving for the future again is robbing your future self. You really have to get to a point where your spending and your income numbers are aligned and you have to find a way to save some money for the future. You just... You have to, you have to, what are you, what are you going to like, this is what I do for myself. I think about what am I going to do when I retire? If I have no money, like, how am I going to survive? How, like you have to start saving now. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. have to, you have to. Well, and I recommended this book in the first episode and make that money, honey, but the latte factor really breaks down the exponential growth of a proper savings plan. So uh, would love to just drop that little tip in there uh, or that book in there as an option to get a better understanding. It's a simple read. So you're talking about saving, having an emergency fund, retirement. You were mentioning retirement. The both of those, because that was a real pivot point for me when you're like, okay, let's save up a thousand dollars. Right. And I, what I would do was I, again, stashing money. I couldn't stash money and not just like, oh, I need it. Or it, it didn't take a, a whole total emergency to need that money. But I do remember when I didn't have an emergency fund. And, you know, ev- that was when I had the highest anxiety. So you might say like a thousand dollars, like what's that going to do? You can wipe that out in one quote unquote emergency or like what type of emergency does that cover? Ultimately, I was able to sleep at night, right? Well, and by having that emergency fund, a savings fund, not a credit card to fall back on for an emergency, well, but you. an emergency yes. fund, there's a big difference there. So if you're relying on credit cards every time you have an emergency and you've already got a ton of credit card debt, you're just digging that hole deeper and deeper and deeper, right? You're never going to get out of it. But if you have an emergency fund, and maybe $1,000 doesn't sound like a lot to you, but think about an emergency. You know, it's a flat tire or something unexpected, you know, um, if you can pay for that with cash and not have to add to that already high credit card balance, yeah, your anxiety level is so much less. If you know you have that cushion, you can drive somewhere and not be scared to death that you're going to have a flat tire along the way because how are you going to pay for it? It does. It helps you eliminate some of that anxiety. And $1,000 
yeah, it's not a lot, but because it's not a lot, if you have to dip into it, you can also build it back up right away again if you have to. Yeah. So, well, and inside of the Dave Ramsey money makeover too is it's just a thousand and then go pay off your debt, right? And then go back to saving. Yeah, right? and then it, get yourself three to six months of your expenses saved up right. so that if a pandemic happens and you lose your job, yeah. you have something to live on for the next three to six months. It kills me to think of what people are, are probably going through right now and how they're funding their life right now when they're out of work, you know, because yeah. so many people don't have that savings. They just yeah. don't. Yeah. And obviously we've been talking about this whole episode. And actually, I just want to drop the tip that the next uh, conversation is about debt. The next episode, next Friday's episode is all about debt, but it's really about the actual understanding, the interest and good debt versus bad debt and how to make a plan and debt consolidation, bankruptcy. We're going to, she's really, uh, Michelle's really going to help us get a better understanding of all these different things. But, you know, when you really decide to turn this around, the conversation actually becomes about savings, retirement, cash funds, and being able to fund yourself. And this was such a huge pivot for me because as an entrepreneur, as I've been, I've been talking about like all the debt I've created being an entrepreneur, but I also want to talk about the savings I've created being an entrepreneur because it's, it's such a beautiful shift where you know, it started as the thousand. Let me just, let me get that and know that I got that. And then, you know, go back to paying debt off. But I remember saving up and, and, and then knowing the budget again, knowing your numbers was, I know how much money I need for next year's annual reoccurring payments. Like knowing I needed to save 2,400 for that. Like I got a new sense, I gamified it again. And it became a new sense of excitement and motivation. Okay, Michelle, how how much would I need to save if I was actually saving for three months, right? And that, and she showed me that number and it became a new savings game. And so all of a sudden I have this big chunk of money sitting in a, in a thing that I now like, that I don't even want to touch, right? Like I, I love it being there. I love having that emergency fund. And it, I want to really say something so subtle is the independence factor. Cause like you said, it, who knows for what reason, if we're ever off work for an extended period of time, like who are we going to call? Like, I don't want to call my parents. I love them. I don't want to call them. I already said I had a hard time asking for $20, right? It was very empowering to be able to know that I can go to the bank of Abigail as opposed to the bank chase or mom, mom and dad bank or grandpa or someone, you know, or a friend, even I'd have plenty of friends. Like when I was, the thing I want to say about this is I like throughout being an entrepreneur, I've taken lots of chances, right? Lots of risk launching a program that nobody signs up for. So it can be a, a $0 launch up to a $25,000 launch and anywhere in the middle, right? Like that's, that feels very risky, but as I've saved more money for myself, I'm allowed to take those chances because one, my bank accounts are set up and structured and I feel really excited about that. But also I have this quote unquote emergency fund slash three months of savings slash my taxes are prepaid, like all of these things that I now, I know my numbers and I'm saving in the forward direction. 
we eliminate that big chunk of debt backward spending and pivot it and put it into savings and you're paying yourself. And then obviously retirement, or we haven't even talked about like investments, right? Um, just different ways to stash your cash. And I want to say, um, a lesson that my grandpa taught, which I'm sure he'd be so proud to hear, but he always says, uh, the first half of your life, you work for your money. The second half of your life, your money works for you. And like Michelle, you were saying, what am I going to do when I retire? You do it now. (laughs) Well, what your grandpa said is so spot on. It's so spot on. If you set things up right, but if Mm -hmm. you aren't saving the lesson he's trying to teach you goes out the window because you're going to spend the second half of your life still working for your money Yeah. if you don't start saving now. And and if, if invested right, if uh, saved right, it will take care of itself. And all money needs is time. It is, money does grow on trees. It grows just like that, <laughs> slowly. Yeah, and the key to that is starting early, starting now, Don't wait. Don't think, oh, next year we'll start saving for a retirement or no, you got to start now. The earlier you start, the faster it grows and the more it just compounds. It just, the more you put in, the more it grows and the earlier you start, the bigger it will be. And ultimately any debt that you have, any, especially credit card debt or auto loan debt is just taking away from that that future savings. Mm, So, well, inside of what you're saying too, is being able to make cash payments for things, right? So let's say we eliminate debt finally, whatever that takes for anybody, but then you, we have our monthly budget, but you said, if you want to take a trip every six months, like how much, you know, if you want to save $5,000 to go on a big, expensive, fancy trip, what does that look like saving for six months? Like 800 bucks a month. That's a whole ass payment in a direction, right? Like, so, so really allotting for that or saving up for a car. I really love that Dave Ramsey truly like roots for people to pay cash for like the things we always thought we had to use credit for. And, and I think it's just brilliant, but I don't ever, I don't think that that's been made possible for so many of us. Oh, no, we're taught that you will always be in debt. Mm-hmm. Debt is just a fact of life. You yeah, always have debt. Necessary it, evil. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like paying taxes. Death, taxes, and debt, really. Yep. I mean, yep. the three Ds. Uh, or no, that's taxes. <laughs> I <debt>. believe it. <laughs> um, anyways, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, we're just taught to believe that that's how it, things are always going to be. And they don't have to be. They really yeah. don't. They don't. And we wanted to teach the top 10 mistakes you're making with money because it doesn't have to be this way. This doesn't have to be your truth. This doesn't have to be your story or situation. And so next week, we're going to spend one more week talking about debt. And then we're going to go into money 101. So we're going to get more serious about like the education side. So we are looking to help you correct this stuff, some financial literacy, some make a savings, make a plan. We're going to help you do that. So be sure to continue tuning into the Money Mind set series, please, yo, please share this with the people that you love. Please share this with the people working on their financial situation or need a little bit of education in this direction. And we are also launching the Money Mastery course. So we would love to invite you to head over to abigailgazza.com, michelleschween.com. And just in case, because this is getting pretty close, um, this episode is launching in in mid-April. 
We're launching the Money Mastery course on April 20th of 2021, but I will tell you this is a course that will run multiple times. So whenever you're hearing this, uh, please head over to our websites and check out when the next course launches. You can sign up for the waiting list and we will be sure to get you set up because we want to set you up for success, to be abundant, to be loving your life and to have a lot of fun with money. What would you love to say about that, Michelle? (laughs) I would just say, you know, money doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be a scary anxiety producing thing. There's tools out there and resources out there and, and we can help you eliminate some of that anxiety. It can be fun. Yeah. Money can be really fun. It sure can be. Uh, it can be a lot of fun. And so we're, we're excited to continue to have fun with you. So thank you so much. Be sure to tune in next Friday for talking about debt. And we will see you then. Thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.